Welcome to From Beneath the Hollywood Sign. If you love old movies, Hollywood history, or the golden age of filmmaking, you've come to the right place. This is the podcast that talks about amazing stories of Tinseltown from another era and fascinating conversations with writer-producer Steve Kubine and actress-writer Nan McNamara. So, Steve, did Ava Gardner and Howard Hughes have a good relationship? Well, they did until he dislocated her jaw. What? Well, don't worry. She hit him back with an ashtray. From Beneath the Hollywood Sign is the gin joint for you. You said you could do it. I rewrote the script because you said you could do it. We rearranged the shooting schedule. We spent a damn fortune preparing for that stunt because you said you could do it. I was wrong, Roger. I'm sorry. You were wrong. He was wrong, Max. He's sorry. He blows a whole goddamn movie and he says, gee, I was wrong, sorry. Okay, okay, new business. Ski does it with someone else, that's all. Why don't you forget it, Roger? I never liked the damn gag anyhow. Who else can do the stunt? Buddy Joe can do it. He's not available. Who else? Nobody. This is The Movies That Made Me, with your hosts, Josh Olson and Joe Dante. I started, I went back and forth, and then like at the last minute, I was like, all right, let me, let me do it. I'm going to do an introduction to Buddy Joe where he sort of run through his credits. Um, well, that could take an entire Well, hour. yeah, let me, because I basically, what happened is, you know, and I've been working all day, and it's like, I, you know, my, my fingers are, they're, they're, they're precious, you know, they're, they're my tools, they're my equipment, and they get tired, and they get exhausted, so I've been typing all day, and then I start typing this list, and I got, I got... Let me, let me read you how many I got until I just went out. You shouldn't type it. You should copy it off IMDb. <laughs> well, let's do it. But I just, I thought I'd get some high But we're talking about a guy, buddy, buddy Joe, uh, we're, we're, Harold and Maud, White Lightning, Blazing Saddles, White Line Fever, Bound for Glory, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, Freebie and the Bean, Sharky's Machine, The Outsider, First Blood, Night Shift, Rumblefish, Against All Odds, To Live and Die in L.A., FX, Tucker the Man in His Dream, Sea of Love, Miami Blues, Thelma and Louise, Demolition Man, shout out to my friend Dan Waters who wrote that, uh, yeah. The Crow, Waterworld, From Dust Till Dawn, Gross Point Blank, and then I just went, oh, fuck it, I can't, and that's, that's only like halfway through the 90s, and then it just keeps going, <laughs> it just keeps going and going and going, um, I, I'm sure you already mentioned you did, you worked on Django Unchained, um, but, but uh, oh, and then of course, um, uh, probably the highlight, um, certainly the best film in the bunch, and probably the greatest professional experience. Uh, Kiss meets Phantom of the Park. <laughs> uh, <laughs> hey, I do. I do have to tell you, it was it was kind of fun because I got to uh, I doubled one of the guys in Kiss, um, the the drummer. Uh, I forget what oh, his Ace. name is. It would be Ace, Ace Freely. Yes, Freely. Yeah, and and the coolest part of it was is that nobody had ever seen those guys right. without their makeup without on. Makeup, right. And so I was doubling. I had some other guys uh, doubling each one of them. And we happened to be in like the makeup room when these guys came in. 
And we're just looking at each other going, what the fuck? I mean, these guys, no wonder they're wearing all, all this makeup. Because <laughs> these dudes are like the ugliest guys in the world. <laughs> and the other good part of it is, is all those guys wore these platform shoes that were like, like 10 inches. Right. And so that was my favorite part because, you know, like I'm bordering on 5'9". And... When I put these shoes on, I was like a giant of a person. You know, <laughs> that was the most fun. But uh, it, was a, it was a great experience. I remained friends with, um, you know, uh, yeah, uh, the tall one with the, with the tongue. Gene uh, Simmons. Gene Simmons, yeah. I remained friends with him off and on throughout the years. And well, luckily, was, you didn't have to double him because you couldn't no, do the tongue thing. <laughs> I, I had another guy that had a tongue, a stunt guy, just worked out this way that had a tongue exactly like him. Um, it was weird. And the other guy, one of the other guys, he had to do a lot of tumbling and stuff like that. So I had this tumbler, you know, this um, uh, world-renowned tumbler from UCLA, but he was black, right? So I just said it. It doesn't really matter because they're in makeup. Put enough makeup yeah, on them. Exactly. Yeah, you could. You couldn't tell the difference. And the guy was just fantastic at what he did. One day we're in the makeup room, and the guy he was doubling saw what was happening, and he he uh, went apeshit. You know, <laughs> <laughs> that wouldn't work right now. But anyway. It was uh, funny you brought that up. I just that that one jumped out. Um, uh, <laughs> no, it's nice. It must have been nice to finally get to work on a prestige project. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I had had enough of Hal Ashby at that time. Yeah, I mean, yeah, those tax, those, those, those kind of guys that were just Spielberg. Yeah. <laughs> well, our our guest is uh, so thrilled and honored to have you, uh, Buddy Joe Hooker okay. is. One of the greatest stuntmen uh, this this business has got, um, and uh, uh, that it's you know <laughs> I don't know what else to say. Thank you for coming on board, buddy Joe. It's, well, uh, it's I'm also a second I, unit director. Let's uh, get that straight. Oh well, yeah. Do you want to? Do you want to? <laughs> can can we? Can we? Uh, I know we we we've discussed this. I I have a rant, and buddy Joe shares my feeling for obvious reasons. No, it's um. It's absolutely bonkers to me that uh, the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences has got a division for, not to knock them, they do very important work no. um, for, public, for, for PR people, but there's no division for stunt people. And stunt people, because some of our listeners don't, hopefully lots of our listeners don't work in the film business, um, you guys don't just jump in front of a camera and beat each other up. You design and direct and act. And I mean, it's, it's a massively important creative contribution to the film. And we even get to work with the writers now to get. Ah, well, only, only if you, only if you behave. <laughs> only if you work with Josh Olsen. That's right. Yeah. But, but it makes me insane because I, I think of sort of all the great stunts and all the scenes. And I mean, it's, it's, you know, they're, they're created and they're crafted and they're designed and they're written and they're directed and they're, and, and you guys do it. And, um, it's, you know. it's mind boggling. And, uh, I've been in, in the Academy for like 25 years now. And uh, there was 12 of us that they brought in to organize a category, right? So it's been about 
a little over 25 years that we've been trying to do this. Our last, uh, the Academy, um, you know, that ran the Academy, she was, uh, her background was a uh, PR person. And we had some meetings with her and she actually sat there and go said, uh, could, I really don't know what you guys do. What, what does, what is a stunt coordinator's job? And it was like, you know, we were just like tongue tied. You, you couldn't be, you couldn't be referencing the lovely Dawn Wells. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and the other one, but anyway, uh, it's, it's just mind boggling that in the old days, I understood it is that, you know, uh, actors and, and directors, producers, they wanted everyone to think, that the actors were actually doing the stunts, right. which we all understood that perfectly. But the uh, studio audience nowadays is very sophisticated. They know the difference. Uh, when you think about, um, you know, the top grossing films every year, and some of them of all time, Academy Award winning films are action oriented. Yeah. You know, I mean, uh, it's, I don't get it. <laughs> it's, it's just. It's the uh, Academy, Jake. Yeah, it's just yeah. walk away. <laughs> well, and that, that's the only way to explain it. But it used to be this old boy network that you understood where they were coming from. Right. But it isn't that way anymore. I mean, these people are very sophisticated, I think. I'm not sure. Uh, but it's, it's very weird. Anyway. Well, they didn't used to be, and then then Quentin gave it all away yeah. last year by uh, uh, making a movie in which character was a stunt guy and giving giving it all away. So was, uh, <laughs> but, but, uh, which actually was, you know, I don't want to be prejudiced, but it was the best part of the movie. You know? I, I, I agree. <laughs> I agree. I mean, it was amazing. Um, but uh, Buddy Joe, like like everybody on our show, uh, loves movies. Love them. Fair to say. <laughs> Fair to say. <laughs> and uh, has come in to discuss, uh, tell us about a few of them that have inspired him along the way. But I guess most of them are probably sort of action related, at least. Is that the. Well, yeah, but when you were a kid, you must have, you must have watched. Uh, uh, I'm even going to tell you, like... when I was a kid, you know, we had the, uh, I went to a lot of to films and it was like, uh, I think 25 cents or something like that to get well, in. And some of the, the films that I really enjoyed, which is like, uh, you know, those old uh, Sodom and Gomorrah ones, those old kind of like, uh, you know, the guy. Biblical epics. Yeah. Yeah. That, that had all this cool stuff in it. It was very entertaining. And so, uh, you know, I saw a lot of that kind of stuff. Um, just a little backstory. My, uh, father was a stuntman, and both my uncles were. So I grew up in uh, in the stunt world. I did my first stunt when I was uh, twelve, uh, and then when I was fourteen, my father decided that I should become an actor, and instead of following the stunt route because he knew the the travesties of what that was like, and so I became an actor and. Uh, did a lot of stuff. And then in my uh, late teens and early 20s, 
I decided that I wanted to become a stuntman. But when I was doing the acting thing, you know, you, you go see all those kind of movies at, at the New Art. You see all the Kurosawans, uh, John Cocteau, one of your uh, favorites, all those kind of people when you're an actor. So later on, when I became a stuntman, there was some of those directors kind of still like had a hold of me in a way. So I started revisiting uh, Kurosawa, for instance. Mm. Yeah. And and I started to realize, you know, how important um, the action and the action sequences were to his films, and how he used action to to show, you know, emotion, how to develop characters, where whether they were weak, they were strong, they were heroic, uh, all of these things that. Uh, he used in his films, which uh, was very influential. I use, I still use that kind of stuff. You know, he was the the epitome of uh, of framing and camera work and all this kind of stuff. Um, so I've got a, I've got a stupid question that one one of you could probably answer. Um, did did he uh, did Kurosawa design and direct his own stunts or did he have uh... You know what, as in all the research that I've, you know, done and all the films I've seen and everything, um, you know, and I don't speak Japanese, is there is really no mention of that. I'm sure that he had, you know, real samurais. I'm sure he had, you know, people that did all the uh, martial arts and all that as advisors and probably used them as stunt people. but. Uh, that's a great question. I will further my research. Oh well, yeah. Let us let us know. Do you do you know Joe or? Uh, no, I would think Donald Ritchie could uh, look at his books. I'm sure he's got something in there about it. Worth finding out. Well, what um, what were some of your favorite Kurosawa's? Um, my favorite, of course, was probably everybody's was Seven Samurai, Kagamushi. I like that. I like Ran. Um, I think Rand's the one where he introduced color, right? Uh, no, he'd been he'd been doing color films for a while. I well, think. I mean, there, it was, was black and white and color. Well, it was it oh. was um, yeah. I remember it was, it was so rich. I remember thinking, oh, it was um, unbelievable. You know, this is this is a movie that you could uh, you could take any frame and hang on your wall. Well, speaking of framing, I mean, he was a master of oh, cinemascopes. Yeah. I mean, his widescreen movies are so well designed and so. Uh, so graphic in their, uh, their high and low, and you know all the all these movies where the the action is spread out over. A, my favorite, my favorite format is black and white scope, and and his he was a master. Oh, just his composition of of you know the way he placed his actors and the amount of them. Sometimes one person in the scene, and and his camera movement from from the back of someone to the front to around. And he was one of those directors that, you know, a lot of people didn't do that for years that actually cut on the move when something was on the move. Now, big, big influence on Sergio Leone. Yeah, mm. yeah, huge. Well, I want you I to note, our, our listeners can't see what that is. Um, that's an Italian poster for high and low behind me. Is it? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I mean, there are so many films that uh, he did that were just phenomenal, you know. 
So, but those are my three favorites and ones that, uh, you know, again, he's one of those guys where you, that old idiom of uh, um, action speaks louder than words. You know, it's like, uh, uh, especially films, unless you see it, you know, right. you don't quite believe it. Uh, words sometimes, no disrespect at all, but sometimes <laughs> None take words, it, words don't belay, you know, what's going on. So uh, I think it is a visual medium. Uh, yes. He, he just, to me, the way he used action and stuff to define his characters brought a new kind of revelation to me and my stunt work is that mm. acting uh, um, in the best stuntman in the world is also a great actor because what we're, we're creating something that isn't real that we want you to think is real. So, you know, I got uh, started taking a lot of what I saw in his films and putting it into my own work. And uh, consequently, it made me a better stuntman. It made my stunt coordinating just enhance that to no end. I mean, even the way he, he used like the, like the elements, like the wind, rain, and smoke and all that kind of stuff is i started finding myself every chase scene i did and i'm sure joe you've used this too is i would get a wet down because it just added all this extra yeah there in 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 the mad magazine parody of the fugitive there's a the last frame is there's a there's a, a water truck with the sign, uh, the making the streets look like a just rain truck. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it just added so much to to the scene, you know, yeah. whether it was raining or it wasn't. It uh, and that's something I stole from him. Uh, you know, we don't steal; we appropriate. That's oh yeah, right. that's right. We acquisition. <laughs> we reacquire. I don't even think it's that. I mean, once once you've done it, you've pretty much put it on the table for anybody else to pick up. So it's, you know. Yeah. And it's like stunts. Everybody say, well, hey, uh, we want to, in this film, we want to do something new. Well, everything's yeah. been done. It's uh, the only thing you could do is reapproach it, reassess it, and just do it better. Yeah. You know? what, did you, what did you think of um, Mad Max Fury Road? Uh, I thought it was uh, the latest one, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I uh, I thought it was brilliant. I mean, speaking uh, speaking of trying to make things that we've seen before appear to be new. Yeah, yeah I mean, uh, as far as story goes and all that kind of stuff, there was none of that. But just seeing that extravagant stunt work and how they like we reapproached it and did stuff that that nobody had ever seen before. Although it was still, you know, stunt work. It's still in the ballpark. But what, what, do, you, what, did you, what do you think about the, uh, the trend now toward the fact that uh, because CGI exists and because the audience is so sophisticated about it, that when they see something that's like a stunt, remember James Bond movies used to always start with some guy skiing off a mountain or yeah, some right. incredible stunt that was, you know, a real stunt. And Whether it involved wires or whatever, it was still, it was really happening. And now, 
people I, I find are a little more jaded about it because even if it is a real stunt, as it was for the most part in the Mad Max movie, they tend to just go, oh, well, you know, it's just, it's not real. It's a cartoon. It's not really happening, which I think is really sad because, you know, so much of the impact of the stunts and the action scenes that we've grown up loving were things that actually, if they weren't really happening, they certainly were to a great degree taking place in front of a camera. Yeah, exactly. You know, I'm really, uh, I'm so over CGI. I know um, there's a place for it, um, but it, it's just gotten to, to be such a thing that it's, it's very hard for me to even watch it. The editing style now that right when you're starting to enjoy a bit of action, they cut away 18 times to something else. Um, my feeling is, is I think if people really want to do something different as far as stunt work goes, is like Joe said, is get back to uh, real-time stuff and to get back to doing stuff that was real, um, which I think the audience nowadays would find that very refreshing. And in the old days, when you saw that stuff happening as a film goer, as, as a person in the audience, you, you had a tendency to get into it. Right. That, you know, you could... Uh, experience what was going on with CGI. I, I think the audiences are really missing out on on enjoying what's going on. And it's not just the CGI, but as you point out, it, 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 it's the way that the stuff is cut. Oh, the editing and, style is just horrific. Well, but a lot of times that's done to disguise the fact that there there really isn't anything going on except for a bunch <laughs> of a bunch of stuff, you know. Yeah. Uh, the, the great thing about action scenes in the classic sense was that you had a sense of the geography. You knew where everything was. Exactly. You knew where, and that's, that's true of, uh, it, it's true of uh, barroom brawls and old movies or whatever. I mean, you always knew where you were yeah. and in a chase scene or whatever, you could, you could understand that this guy's going from left to right and this guy's going right to left. And in a car chase, you know, you could follow what was going on, even if you didn't really know what the terrain was. But in, in the born identity type of editing, uh, there's a lot of stuff going on and it's a lot of flashy stuff and it's very fast cut and it's all very cinematic, but ultimately it's confusing. And, and you don't get a chance to enjoy any of it. It's there and it's gone. Uh, what you just said was very well put, though, is uh, I think that is what's missing. The, we can go back to Kurosawa here and his framing. Mm -hmm. You see his action scenes and you watch how it's framed and put together. You know exactly what Joe was saying. You, you have the geography. You know who's doing what, where it's going. Well, it's a story. You're telling a story, yeah. even if it's in a minute and a half of a stunt scene. It's got to have a beginning and a middle and an end. It's got to have an emotional payoff. And if you can't see what the hell's happening, it is my, I don't know, we're just you know, three guys screaming, get off my lawn at this point. But, but, <laughs> <laughs> but, hey, but, you know, like I, I, there was, what was the, uh, the Bond film after uh, Casino Royale? There was a scene, I remember just giving up. There was a scene where James Bond is fighting with another guy. They're on, on scaffolding and they're flying around and you can't and they're both wearing black suits and obviously they're two stuntmen 
And I remember just literally consciously going, well, I'm going to sit back and I'll wait until this is over to find out what happened. <laughs> you know, I, and that, that's a terrible way to watch a movie. Oh, it's horrible. And, and it's, it's not entertainment anymore. I have to say though, the bond film, they, they held out longer yeah. than most anybody else. I mean, they, most of the stuff they did for years was reality based. It was real stuff. Yep. And uh, very little CGI. Um, Fast and Furious, uh, give me a break. I mean, I know it's a <laughs> huge money break maker and it's a great franchise and everything, but uh, you can't believe a minute of it. Yeah, no, well, those, those are cartoons, I think, which is fine. But, yeah. but even, even if you're a relatively sophisticated viewer, I remember Fury Road. I mean, Fury Road knocked me out and it looked great. And, but there was part of me that was so excited to see the behind the scenes stuff because I know there was some CG in that film. And I don't know how much, you know, and I'm kind of. And it's mostly wire. I know. And then you look and it's all yeah. the exact same stunts and they just cut some wires out of the background or, you know, you can see a skyscraper in the distance. That's it. It's still 50 guys blowing each other up and flying off of cliffs. I mean, wire work, wire work is cool. And if they, they kept it at that, that would be great. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we've been doing wire work since I uh, did uh, uh, Strongest Man in the World and uh, Computer War <laughs> Tennis Shoes at Disney. But we were, actually, we were actually using uh, D uh, piano wire, you know, actual yeah. piano wire. And there's an art to photographing that without yeah. seeing it. You yeah. know, the, the, uh, I've used, uh, in the wire work I've done, there, there is, there's a guy whose job is nothing but take a sponge and put that right. stuff that color over the wire that's supposed to deflect the like light. this joe you watch them they go like they got one guy holding the other end of it guys going like this <laughs> <laughs> for days and hours and i think and i think the idea that now we can get rid of those things with cgi is great yeah. Just like yeah. i think it's it's fine that the the wire is holding up the martian machines in the war of the worlds uh, you know, which were mostly hidden by Technicolor because it was not a, it was a little fuzzy. And now, you know, the, the transfers are so much better, you can see the wires better. And so they've gone back and it's supposed to be very controversial. Well, they've gone back and they've erased the wires. Well, they should have erased the wires. The whole idea of the people <laughs> who made the movie was they wanted you to believe what was happening in front of you, yeah. you know? And so of course they should take advantage of that. And that's, that's one of the best uses of CGI, I think. Yeah, it used yeah. to be called plate shots. Remember those? Sure. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it was like the, the you, you would do a plate shot and then you'd do the stunt and then you would juxtapose them and it would be great. Yeah. And people loved it. Well, this is definitely a get off my lawn kind of episode. <laughs> so, <laughs> Joe, you're going to be happy about this. We're uh, I'm working with a film with Josh and John and some people. Uh, some other good producers and we're going to make a film that you are going to love to see because it's going to be real stuff again that is the hope and uh, it's about um real quick hey, hey, hey we're about, recording we're recording Don't okay okay I, I can't tell you but when we're done <laughs> i gotta this, i gotta talk with joe about this i want to get is it. this a secret uh, project that no one is supposed to know about? uh no 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 it's early stages, early stages. Yeah. Okay, I'm sorry, I forgot, but I'm excited. <laughs> he's, he, he's afraid you'll jinx it. Yeah. Right, well, you you won't be the first guest I've threatened to beat up. <laughs> Joe needs to hear this because he'll be excited. 
Yes, we'll tell them off air, off the air. It's off the uh, off the digits, I guess. Yeah. Yes. Okay. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, so do you wanna... much for our poor audience. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to give, give my stuff away for free. <laughs> Gotta make a living. Even like. Hey there, I'm Dylan Lewis, one of the hosts of Motley Fool Money. Each weekday on Motley Fool Money, we talk through the business news you need to know and the stories moving stocks on Wall Street. On weekends, we dive into the industries shaping tomorrow and host the experts, authors, and executives that understand them. Tune in for insights, a long-term perspective on investing, and of course, stock ideas. Plenty of them. To quote a listener, it pays to listen. Check us out and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. With, uh, you know, Raiders, the Lost Ark. Mm. Most of that stuff was for real. Sure. You know, sure. a lot of it. So we can still do it. Oh, yeah. For sure. So let's, uh, let's move from Kurosawa into some of the other stuff. That, uh... Um, bullet. Bullet. Look, that was kind of influential. Uh, Who was that? Was that Steve McQueen or something? Uh, yeah, yeah, that was little Stevie boy. And and uh, Steve, I have to say, he, he was a you know he believed a little bit of his own publicity, but he was a great guy, and uh, was really good. A great motorcycle rider, he raced in the desert with us all the time, and was a great driver. And so he. That film I thought was great because, of course, it was one of the first car chase movies. They they weren't getting off the ground too far, but it was the the highest jumps that had been done at the time. And uh, again, uh, here's where you used action to define this character. Right. You know, there wasn't a whole lot of dialogue in that movie with for Steve, but when he got in the car. You know this guy was a badass. You know he could do it, and you actually saw him do it because he did most of the driving. So that was a kind of film that influenced me to keep going that way and keep doing bigger and better stuff. Uh, the I couldn't wait to get a movie where we could do car jumps, where we could go from two and a half feet in the air. To 15 feet in the air. So not only was it, it influential, it was something that really, uh, you know, gave you hope and uh, kind of pushed you, pushed us all towards new stuff. Yeah. So it was, it was good. That's such an interesting film too, because it's, uh, um, it's very, it's very thoughtful very very slowly yeah. paced until until he jumps into that car but when he got in the car he didn't have to say a word yeah yeah <laughs> it, it, he well, got, peter yates got that picture off a, a movie called uh robbery uh which he had oh, done, right with uh, uh stanley Baker. british film yeah yeah, uh, which, yeah which also i think has a, a sort of a mini car chase in it but he was yeah. uh, uh and i saw that movie before obviously before he got the job on bullet and uh, it was it was very career defining for him. Yeah, it it was a great film. I mean, and to this day, it it still kind of stands up as a chase movie. You know, oh, for sure, it still works. And a political movie. It's good. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. good. It was it was good in a lot of ways. I didn't, uh, you know, get the uh, intellectual part as much as I did the uh, uh, just the car. Part. Well, that's all the Robert Vaughn character. Yeah, right. that's he's the bad guy. 
he was always kind of uh, irritated me in a way. Robert Vaughn? Yeah, because he was such a good actor. It's just I didn't like to even look at him. Maybe that's why he didn't actually go into <laughs> politics, which he always wanted to do. Oh, he would have uh, been but, good. But he ended up playing uh, people like the horrible studio boss in SOB. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I want to hear some about your career. That's you have to get your own <laughs> podcast for that. But, okay, you know. <laughs> um, it's all about I hate, you, to, hate to break it to you. I hate to, yeah. It's okay. not only we're pointing the camera at you. You're not standing in for right. anybody. It's all you, man. <laughs> um, what? Uh, vanishing point. That was a good oh, one. Oh, now there's a movie. Yeah. Now there's a, you, you know, know, I related to that guy, Kowalski. That picture didn't, um, it didn't exactly set the world on fire when it was new. No. But uh, it, it had a, even when it, even when it was new, it had a tremendous following among uh, not Huge. just car buffs, but, but a, a, a sort of a, whatever, whatever you call the counterculture yeah. mm-hmm. at the time. And, the um, kids. and the ending. You know, where the car goes right. so fast that it disappears is like if if you were stoned. I mean, <laughs> you, this was this this was a movie you couldn't forget. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that it was one of my favorites. It was it was really good. Uh, one of the uh, you know the the best stunt drivers uh, in our business did all the work. Car- Carrie Lofton did all the driving. I don't know if you remember him or not, Joe. Sure. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, I, I I I was aware of him at the time. And Bill Hickman, all those guys. Uh, Bill was probably drunk at the time, but he did some. While he was work. doing the driving. <laughs> oh yeah, fantastic. Yeah, don't do this at home, kid. It's tough. If you're gonna do that kind of driving, you know, no one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I also love. I loved the um, the nod to that in the limey, where uh, Barry Newman shows up and he's playing Peter Fonda's lawyer, and just the instant uh, that Terrence Hill takes off in his car. Barry Newman leaps behind the wheel and just, they don't need to explain it. He's just a demon behind the wheel as soon as he gets there. <laughs> it's such a great moment. So I saw that picture before it was released and there was a scene which they subsequently cut out where he picks up Charlotte Rampling. What? Uh, and she's a hitchhiker. What? Charlotte yes. Rampling, really? Charlotte, Charlotte Rampling's Rampling, in Vanishing Point? And they point? have a love scene in the car. What? <laughs> yes. And they and and this is you know I was reviewing movies for a, a trade magazine in Philadelphia and I would see all the screenings of the new pictures and I saw this one and um, and I, I was a big Charlotte Rambling fan who wasn't who wasn't yes and uh, <laughs> and then I then when the movie came out she wasn't in it anymore and uh, and I thought well it could be because of the nudity because they had that nude motorcycle driving which was also fairly cool. Um, really but cool. appara- yeah. apparently nobody could decide whether this was supposed to be a dream sequence or whether it really happened. And so they eliminated it. And um, I don't think it's ever cropped up. That's a bummer. It's, That's terrible. Uh, Joe, what? this is the world we live in. I'm looking at it right now. <laughs> You're looking at what? Kowalski and Charlotte Rampling from Vanishing it? Point. It's, no uh, There's this thing called the YouTubes. That all the oh. kids have, <laughs> but it's a but it's a missing scene. It's the scene. It's the scene. It's the whole. Really, this is insane. Can you forward that to me when we're done? Uh, sure, sure. How good is it? <laughs> I have no idea. I've been <laughs> paying attention to you guys. So just, well, uh, it's not. It's not as good as Gilda Texter, the girl on the motorcycle. 
no. that's that she is she is a, a, a vision. <laughs> <laughs> See, and we need a little bit more of that. That's good, solid, you know, fun. You know, yep. it doesn't hurt anybody. Right uh, now, here's no. the thing. This is this is terrible. This is just this is bad pod podcasting that I'm doing right now. But it uh, it says it was cut from the U.S. version, but was left in the U.K. version. Oh, well, there you go. And uh, yeah. this this cut this uh, it, this is 1080p. This looks like it's off a of Blu-ray. Uh, wow, well, crazy. That's why we crazy. Know. This is the world we live in now. Wow. Um, <laughs> uh well cool well what uh what else do you got for us there uh well you know i i think on my list was easy rider uh oh yeah uh, that was had more of a profound uh intellectual uh effect on my career in really that, uh, yeah when i walked out of that uh film i felt like a complete different person i was free you know, I, I felt like that, you know, I had just thrown away all this, this baggage that, that uh, you know, I had a new freedom as far as being a stuntman. I didn't have to, you know, go along with the plan of doing the old boy network, the Stuntmen's Association way where they dictated how things were done. It was like I was like a renegade now and I loved it. And it just gave me this whole new approach and made everything I did, not in a bad way, but in a good way, a kind of anti-establishment. You know, it was like I just had a complete new lease on life and I approached my career in this way as well. So, you know, I had a, a bit of a... Uh, you know, a little bit of a bad attitude when it came to certain things that people wanted done that I didn't think it should be done that way, or maybe it wasn't safe. And uh, if uh, that's the way you're, you're going to do it, then you need to get somebody else. You know, that kind of feeling, which ended up being the proper way to go. I think I'd, I'd probably save some uh, serious injuries. and. Uh, uh, there's always a way to do it, I would tell them. It's just we can't do it that way because it's not safe. You know. So anyway, it really helped my, uh, my, uh, to get this kind of attitude that took me a long way. And then later on, after I was kind of, uh, you know, people started calling me uh, a little production unfriendly and this and that is, you know, I, I got a little bit more political as my career went on and got better at dealing with people. So uh, it all worked out. But that, that movie, I'll never forget, wow. you know, what it did for me. That's fantastic. I, I mean, I, I one of the things, you know, it, it's not, uh, uh, I'm not of that generation. And it's always a movie that, you know, sort of looked at as an artifact. And um it's, it's it's yeah there's some movies that are so of their time and place and just it's so interesting to hear that it had that effect on you well you know it was it was the only film that i can ever really say aside from the exorcist it's the only film that i ever walked out of with some huge revelation and uh, like uh inspiration it was like you know maybe it was 
a little negative, some of it, but in a way, it all turned out really good. Well, I want. So the exercise, did you go to the priesthood or what was the? <laughs> well, no, the the deal was is that I hadn't worked with Billy Friedkin yet, ah. so I didn't know, you know, too much about the film other than that everybody that saw it were they were puking and they <laughs> they didn't want to get the demons and everything. And I was working with this director at Disney. His name was Vince McAveedy. He uh, he did like every film that Disney did. And I did like a ton of films with him. Um, the reason I brought him up, he was an ex-ordained priest before he became a director. So one day I go to him, I go, Vince, listen, I want to go see this movie, but I'm a little apprehensive because <laughs> I don't want to get possessed. I, I hear <laughs> that this thing has really weird effects on everybody. So I, uh, I got talked him in to going to the film with me. So I went to the film. It turned out great. I didn't get demonized or anything. Uh, that you uh, know of. That I know of. Uh, maybe I got some good demons. Who knows what know. pernicious influence it had <laughs> on right. the rest of your career. <laughs> Later on, um, I had the opportunity and the good fortune to do uh, six films with Bill, Billy Friedkin. And uh, some of the stories that he told me about the making of that film, oh, yeah. like blew my mind. And at some time, the three of us, I mean, I'm sure you've heard a lot of them, but he's been on, he's been on the show. Oh, he, Billy is just one of my favorite people in the world. He's, uh, he's a great guy. A lot of people see him in different ways, but I think he's, uh, he's a genius. He's like the uh, best thing that ever happened to, to, uh, to me and my action career. Uh, and again, I, I would just at this point, I would like to say that, you know, some of these films we've been talking about had an influence on my career. But what really shaped my career was these, I had the opportunity to work with some incredible directors who I learned just so much from like Hal Ashby, uh, Billy Friedkin, Francis, Steven Spielberg, um, John Abnett, you know, the list goes on and on. So my career is pretty much based on what they did for me as directors and as friends and as people that were willing to take a chance and uh, do things and give somebody a chance and to be free with their talents and everything. It was, uh, it's, it's why I got to be where I am Yeah, because of those guys. So directors are the people, in my opinion, that uh, make it all happen. Take that, Josh. Oh, God. Yeah. Here we go. <laughs> hey, Josh, He's going to be insufferable a, for a week. Hey, I'm in, I'm in this with you. I'm, I'm one of the outsiders, too. But uh, anyway, I just wanted to uh, put that out there, too, because <clears throat> I can't take all the credit. i got to give it back to them. So, And uh, who else inspired me? Jackie Chan. Uh, yes. Keaton. The three yes. stooges. I mean, <laughs> I but buddy, who has who has more broken bones, you or Jackie Chan? Actually, 
I, I hate I to I tell you this. I hate to tell you this, but I have broken very few. I broke uh, my ankle and I had a, uh, a rotator cuff surgery. And just last year, I had a little back surgery. But for 65 years of mass mayhem, uh, <laughs> it, it wasn't bad. I was very lucky. And uh, somewhere along the line, I think uh, uh, I had a, a good gene pool. Uh, my father gave me some good genes. And uh, uh, it was a, a little bit of luck and so forth. But Jackie, like, outweighs me by like hundreds of bones oh yeah yeah uh, you know i i got uh, last year i went to uh was invited by jackie to come to his uh action film festival in uh beijing and uh got to spend some time with him and hear you know i i'd heard all the stories but to hear some of it from him is was mind-boggling and that guy is like unbe unbelievable, and he is still going strong. I mean, he doesn't do the crazy stuff, but, but he's, he's still, still doing. Oh yeah, I mean, it, yeah. <laughs> he's he's got two stunt teams that yep. are phenomenal that he works out with all the time. You know, yep. the guy is just. Uh, it was a real pleasure and uh, made me a little bit more humble than i really am josh <laughs> hard to believe <laughs> to know that uh, people like him exist in the world yeah. i mean he is really a, a treasure so uh as far as that goes joe uh i i like to tell would tell people that i did more like hal natum can he used to sit there and brag about all that shit and i would say how you can't tell people how many things you've broken because it sounds like you're really not good at what you do. <laughs> you know, you can't you can't do that because you're a great stuntman, but you do break a lot of stuff. <laughs> so, and there was another guy that was a uh, quite a pleasure to work with. I I learned a lot from Hal and Bert, and got to. Do a lot of those films, you know, the Southern films with Hal and Bert. So yeah. I, uh, my career has just been, I don't know why I deserve this. It's just been amazing. Just wished I could uh, do a little bit more. That's all. Uh, plenty of time left. Yes. Yes. My wife won't let me do certain stuff anymore. Though. Well, that's probably, yeah. Yeah. Probably smart. <laughs> uh, what else do you got for us there? Uh, what do you need? I give us another movie. Look at my list I gave you. No, no, we don't acknowledge that you gave me a list. This is a oh, oh I mean, the, <laughs> there's no list. The, there was no list. I'm cutting the, that. <laughs> the list. <laughs> um, no, you didn't give me a list. The list I gave you. Yeah, I'm saying I'm 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 I, I, I'm pretending I didn't look at it. Okay. Uh, we talked about Raiders of the Lost Ark. Barely. Uh, well, those are films you worked on, but what, you know what? What? No, no, I didn't work on. No, he didn't work on Raiders when you were a kid. Besides Japanese movies. Yeah, he I didn't, didn't work, work on Raiders. On that movie. Yeah. Um, what about Raiders? But what was? Yeah. How? How is? What was your response to Raiders when you saw that? Oh, I, I, I just. 
I was really pissed off that I didn't get to work on it. Oh. Uh, but back in those days, you know, there were like these two camps of stunt people. There was, uh, you know, the Stunt Men's Association and there was our group, Stunts Unlimited. And so, uh, you know, when we broke away from them, they vowed never, ever to hire us, and have us on a set or anything like that. And uh, so although we were buddies with a lot of those guys, we didn't get hired on it. But there were some, un- uh, Terry Leonard did some unbelievable stuff on that film. Yeah. You know, the thing where, and, and it was like, uh, you know, Stagecoach is one of my favorite movies because I grew up in the Western stuntman world. And when you look at that, you you see real stuff happening. Yeah. You know, and way back then when it was a new movie to me, uh, you know, I still enjoy it. And I even enjoy it more watching it now just because you cannot fathom the stuff that they did. But in talking about that is that uh, Terry Leonard's a, a Western guy, too. He started doing Western stunts. And, and the thing that he did on the, uh, on the truck was an old-time Western deal where, you know, the good guy transfers from his horse to the stagecoach, goes over the top, you know, takes the, uh, the, uh, the lines and tries to stop the, uh, the, the runaway six-up team, but that doesn't work. So he leaps from the boot of the stagecoach to the wheel team to the to the next swing team and then right. leaps to the lead team and tries to stop them there that doesn't work so then he goes down on the single trees they call them which are the tongues that hook it to the stagecoach and goes back hand over hand right where he gets to the front wheels of the stagecoach he lets go and shoots out the back end right sometimes they would, as they go out the back end, he would grab the back of the stagecoach, get up and try to do it again. So anyway, uh, Terry took that old time stunt and re-evaluated it right, and yeah. did it for Raiders of the Lost Ark, which was the same thing. And that was, uh, the, the original was, uh, that was Yakima Kanut, right? The, oh yeah, Yak, Yak did the uh, original one. He was... Yeah. He was phenomenal. He was like probably one of the best six-up drivers there was. You know, back in those days, there was a ton of cowboys because that was the only uh, kind of films that were being made right. until the wild, uh, a wild one came along. Marlon Brando, right? Oh, sure. Yeah. 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 And uh, motorcycles. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it was another reinvention of an old stunt where we talk about everything's been done, but we can like reinvent them and do it again. But that was one of my favorite stunts ever. Yeah. And I got to say, and I, 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 I hope you don't storm off in a huff in the middle of this for me. Saying oh, it. I will. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, there's so many great stunts in that movie. It's the one the the one that to me that I always, uh, it is so memorable that I have such affection for, and then you find out the story behind why they did it, is, is the one where the guy comes at him with the swords and he's just too fucking tired and he pulls his gun out and he shoots him. 
Yeah. And then, you know, you find out, what well, was it? Harrison Ford was sick or something, and they, they didn't want to do the seed, and somebody came up with this idea. Yeah, supposedly they had a big, like, uh, fight sequence that they... Yeah, they had a whole thing choreographed, and he yeah. was... <laughs> yeah. But to me, I like that better. Right? Yeah. 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 It was great. <laughs> but, but it doesn't work if you don't surround it with other great stunts. No, no, no. No, yeah, it was, but it was. Uh, a, but if it had been Greedo, he wouldn't have shot first. That's no. right. <laughs> um, what else? Um, uh, well, you you did. Were you going to talk about the Wild Bunch? I just had this psychic. The Wild Bunch, yeah. The Wild Bunch is that uh, I had an. I forgot to mention Sam. Yeah. Uh, I had an opportunity to do a couple of films with Sam too, and. Uh, uh, looking before I even worked with him, but looking back on the Wild Bunch, it was uh, Sam had this approach to action that was very innovative. Everything that he did, um, again, I think he took some pages from some of the old-time directors in the way he set things up. Um, his use of slow motion and stuff was kind of new at that time, yeah. and just did reinvented some of the old stuff. He he uh, put westerns back on the map there. So that was one of my favorite films. It kind of influenced me to uh, kind of get back in the saddle and hone up some of my old equestrian skill sets uh, because then I got to work on some a lot of other westerns which I just love. The hardest stunt work you can do in the business, though, is westerns. They'll they'll go out there and they'll dig a pit and put sand and everything in if you're going to fall a horse, right? Because you can't hurt the horse. But when you're out there hauling ass on the back of a horse, you know, as fast as you can go, and you're following the insert car and they go, okay, now, boom, you get shot up. They didn't prepare the ground for you. Oh, you know, it's just like you hit where you hit, but that's that's the way it goes. But it, it's <laughs> Western stuntmen are the toughest thing going. They're like like hard as nails, and uh, so I uh, that kind of got me back in the mode. I still watch that one every once in a while. Sure. Butch Cassidy, another phenomenal film, just because of of what it was as a film, it didn't influence me other than to want to continue working on great movies because that was a great movie, yeah. beautifully done. So, um, it's funny you mentioned the horses. It's a, it's a, um, uh, my, my wife is particularly, um, sensitive to animal abuse in films i got and, one of those too and she loves she loves westerns um yeah. but there's that moment we watched i showed her stagecoach a while back oh. and uh well you know what's interesting i was so grateful i was so grateful every time a horse falls down in stagecoach he stays on it just long enough that you see it gets up and walks away Sometimes. and I, I think every shot of that film i don't think there was a single um i was i was genuinely surprised there's even a scene where somebody shoots at a cat and they show the cat later. They, they missed the cat. Well, back then when they, uh, they were doing that, they did these things I called know. running W's or sometimes if they didn't want to take the time to cable off the horse's front feet with about a, you know, 250 foot of cable so he could get a good run. Right. And then 
put that dead man that in to the ground is they would dig trenches and run those horses into the trenches. Right? Well, the notorious example is the Charge of the Light Brigade. Oh, yeah. In 36, Oof. Michael Curtiz, where a lot, so many horses were injured and killed in that movie that they had to actually do something about it, you know. Yeah. Um, well, those, and, and well, they should, you know, uh, there's, there's no reason to do that. We, we went from when I was, you know, I had missed all the run and dubs and all that kind of stuff. We, we uh, were doing what we call toe tappers, where you would take uh, drill into the front hoofs, uh, front hoofs of the horse, put cables in there, run it through a D ring, up to your cinch, through another D ring, and there would be a handle at the end of it. So you would run to your spot. When you would get to the spot, you would just rear back, pull on this handle. And it would take the front uh, legs out from underneath the horse. So what the horse would essentially do would be like a front shoulder roll. So rarely did you ever hurt horses, but they outlawed that and they went to falling horses where now we have, as you well know, we have trained falling horses that um, how we train them is like we used to do with the toe tappers, but you just tie their leg up, gently roll them over when you pull the reins around on their neck. So they get used to do that. So then when you run into a scene, you reach down, grab the right front rein, pull it back to you like this. The horse's head turns around and he does a front roll. So you, I have never seen a falling horse being injured. And like I say, they, they take care of them. Yeah. And I guess we're getting close to being able to do that digitally entirely, of course. Yeah, but oh, on MAG-7, can I talk about something? Sure. Yeah, okay. absolutely. Yes, well, please, please. MAG-7, we had like uh, these 50-man charges and all this kind of stuff. And they had a lot of stuff with explosions. and. Uh, things like that. So what they got, they, they have this mechanical horse, right? That no legs or anything, but it sits on a framework that runs on a dolly track, right? Mm -hmm. Just like a camera. So what happens, you have a guy who has a, a head and everything on it. Saddle looks just like a horse, the mane, all that. And what it has in the, in the, uh, the mechanism of the horse's body is when you get to the point where the explosion goes, you hit this button and there's like an air ram in the back of this horse, right in the ass end of it, like this. And it catapults the horse and you and everything through the air, you know, and you shoot just above where the legs are supposed to be. And it is amazing. man! Wow. It is like, it's a little rough on the landing, but it's a, a beautiful piece of innovation. That's where, amazing. You know, you don't even have to put horses in that much jeopardy. And it's, it's not just, just a guy. Yeah, it's not. <laughs> it's just throwing a guy. It's much better than CGI. Oh, but they get, they get to consent. So. That is true, yes. Yeah, I mean, nobody drug them there. They just right. offered them a lot of money. That's <laughs> 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 it. Okay, who... I mean, the line is long that wants to, you know, go do them because, uh, you know, it's very uh, 
economically correct. <laughs> so, a little you know, risky, though. A little risky. But, but then again, see, we've, we've kind of like gotten rid of a little bit of CGI there. There's a little bit of yeah. mechanical stuff. But you still actually really get the sensation. Yeah, of, the physics. The physics here. still work. Yeah, the physics are perfect as opposed and the to. The horses yeah. and the guy like soaring like Superman. Beautiful. Yes. 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 See? That's what Easy Rider did to me. I'm still got that renegade feeling. That's so fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> well, buddy Joe, man, it, it's been it's been fantastic sitting here and talking to you about it. Not every day we have a legend. Though. Yeah. Well, is... I'm looking at a legend. I'm looking at two of them. So, ah. you know, thank you uh, very, very much. That uh, I mean, just it's a, a humbling experience to sit here and and talk with you guys and you know talk about yourself i have a a bit of a hard time doing that you know oh uh, i don't know i think you did okay did you did right? pretty <laughs> damn but you know at least i didn't tell you that i was like the greatest stuntman in the world there's some guys that'll do that well you, you got us to say that for you so that's right that's that's our job <laughs> yeah it's actually an email joe he said i had to say that or he wasn't going to go on and not to i just uh, from a <laughs> Sincerely, I want to thank you, Joe, and thank you, Josh, for this opportunity. It was uh, really a lot of fun. Hopefully, uh, the people that listen to it will enjoy it as much oh, as I, I did. I guarantee you they uh, will. It was, yes. it, was, it was a pleasure. Thank you so much. Our show was recorded from several well-stocked bunkers. We can't wait to get back to beautiful downtown Burbank. We're the official podcast of TrailersFromHell.com, the best damn movie website there is. Our engineer is the composer Don Barrett, who also transmogrified, produced, and created our theme song. This is Josh Olson for the movies that made me. Stay safe out there, folks. As a longtime foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China, where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts.